You're listening to the One of Us.net Podcast Network. I'm drinking old chub. I've got a hard chub for old chub. Uh, what, what are you opening clearly into the mic? <laughs> so, uh, who's this brewer? Oscar Blues? Oscar Blues Brewery. <laughs> Brewed and canned by alcohol, 8% by volume. And this appears to be made in Texas because the can has the state of Texas on it. Mm-hmm. I actually like... Um, this one more than the the last two that we were drinking. Uh, it's got it's like a Scotch ale, uh, so I'm guessing that it was eight in like aged barrels or something. Usually that's how they get that yeah. unique. Well, yeah, it, taste. it, it tastes like like Scotch. Yeah, it has that taste. Yeah, it's good. Cheers, guys. It's Cheers. been a while since we recorded. Clank. Yeah, yeah it's been Cheers. a while. It's it's hard because we have every one of us is very busy. We're all on different podcasts. Multiple podcasts, you know, and Andrew and I are writers, and so there's like always projects that we're doing. So we just do this as often as we can. I think that's like our schedule. Yeah, like our slightly agreed upon schedule is yeah. like if we could do once a month, that's like kind of what we're trying to go for. Yeah. But as of now, it's like as much as we can do. It's still been one. It's I think our release schedule has been about once a month. Yeah. Because we had some double header ep- episodes. We recorded all of it in one day. Yeah. yeah. But the, uh, the last one we recorded was Horror Manga. Horror Manga, which I'm sure you guys all loved. That was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, me too. I was, I was pissed drunk, <laughs> drinking yellow pills and the other one. See, here's the thing. Austria Blues is sending us their uh, you know, the other lines, but everyone knows Dale's Pale Ale. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dale's Pale Ale is probably their best. That's my favorite. It was used to be my favorite beer ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've moved on because, you know, Pale Ale is kind of... You've moved on to Old Chubb. <laughs> I've moved on to Old Chubb, most definitely. <laughs> uh, speaking of Old Chubbs... Speaking uh, of Old Chubbs... Harlan Ellison. The, so the reason we decided to do Harlan Ellison, it's, it's the whole episode's on him, uh, and uh, works that he's edited, is because he just passed away last month. And uh, it's kind of like a blow to the science fiction community because he's such a he's such a uh, staple. Like everyone knows him, everyone knows of him. Um, he's a very interesting character in in genre, and he's been around forever. He's been around since the '60s. Yeah, and he knows all the old people. He was friends with Asimov. He was friends with, but and then he's friends with younger people too. Like yeah. Well, younger, like uh, George R. R. Martin's not younger, but... Washed. Te- yeah, washed. Washed. This is one washed motherfucker. I hate that that spread to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's spread, like, it spread to me, a guy, yo, you know. I think it's pretty lit. Dude. <laughs> That's on point, dude. That's on fleek. Gucci. That's on fleek, boy. We're, we were somewhere, you weren't there, and somebody said... What? Talking to Teach. Tim, my neighbor... Reference talking yeah. to Teach. Yes. We were just at his house and randomly he said talking to Teach. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Baby, that is good. That inflates my ego <laughs> to Harlan Ellison proportions right okay. there. Yeah. Way to bring it back. So yeah. I kind of wanted to like, I figure first 
we would talk about um, him as a person, and then we would maybe look at some of his uh, the stuff that he's edited, some of the uh, things that he's done in film or TV, and then some of his actual short stories that he's yeah. in. I figured that so normally we like we would drink different beers and then like s- s- separate these, but now that we're sponsored, buy this beer and we've changed our the way yeah. that we do shit. We've totally sold out. Yeah, know? it's uh, basically books and Oscar Blues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hack probably knows the most, but as someone who who is a writer, I'd I'd heard of Harlan Ellison. I've interacted with his works. I'd read his works mm-hmm. long time ago. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't, like, a super fan or anything like that. I didn't, you know, I, wa- I wasn't necessarily in the genre community at the time when I first heard of him. Right. How I heard of him, though, was through his reputation as being someone who's very arrogant and boisterous. funny. Yeah, yeah, he's super funny, super arrogant, super he's a boisterous. Character. He's a character. And so I'd watch his, his interviews and read his interviews and really laugh. But also, then I found out something else about him. Him, which is you know he he, he grabbed he, Connie Connie Willis. Yeah. Is, I think we actually read the story that he won the award when he groped her. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think it was at uh, How Interesting a Tiny Man. I yeah. think because it's right around that time period. Yeah, uh, that came out two thousand nine. Yeah, and then he <clears throat> groped her in twenty ten. Right. So yeah. So that would make sense. Yeah. So that, yeah. So what is the story behind that? Aren't they? We, what happened? I, I I don't know anything about that. I just kind of uh, heard that um, been a thing. I think they're longtime friends. Uh, obviously, they're longtime uh, people that are uh, peers. Um, they're both like famous science fiction writers, short stories mainly. Um, but yeah, uh, so she was presenting the award, uh, the Nebula, which he won for that, and he. Apparently groped her on stage, so some people were. Uh, most people were obviously very offended by this. Um, I don't think she. I could be wrong. Uh, people should Google this, but I'm. I did Google <laughs> this at some point, and I didn't come up with much of a response from her. So I think that, um, you know, I think that people's disgust for it is response enough, yeah. like people's contempt for it and that's good i mean like don't fucking grope people uh i mean that just goes without saying um i don't i don't want to dwell too much on this it is super fucked up to yeah. do that to someone it's you know it's like totally uh non uh you do, you want, do you want to talk about writers of the future though you'd have to address <laughs> actually the writers of the future people hate him because of stuff like that because uh all of the in fact when i was there they they talked about him um and how he would would not be he'd never be qualified as a judge because of the way he presents himself and the thing about scientology is that uh it's like a part of their religion to act professional i mean they're weird their their interpretation of what that means can be weird and skewed etc but like part of it is like you're supposed to be business-like you're supposed to conduct yourself in a certain manner and uh the way he is is like he's he is very unprofessional in certain ways and very professional in other ways and the way he is professional for them is not like he you know he's off the wall he's a wild card uh he says crazy things and that's not something that their like religion can handle so So what was your first experience with him 
Um, I believe my first experience was, well, that, actually, was really? just, yeah, because I hadn't read him. Huh. Um, or maybe I had seen that there was a video game based off of, yeah. uh, I have, no. I have the mouth on my screen. Yeah, so I hadn't known about that, but I never played it. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably seen some YouTube clips of it. Um, but yeah, that was my first experience, was them at just, one, one of the writer, uh, um, author services People, one of the really high up people at Author Services, was was just shit talking him. It's like you know, well, we would never have him on. And I apparently he. Uh, so I actually listened to an interview uh, today of him talking about L. Ron Hubbard, who he's like a fan of. Like he likes L. Ron Hubbard's some of his novels. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, he's, he mentioned Fear. He said Fear is a really good novel. He said he wrote two f- just straight fantasy novels that were really good, um, but he said mainly he was just a sh- he was just like a kind of a schlock pulp writer that was trying to write as much as possible just to get paid, you know. Right. And he wasn't getting fucking paid, and he was bitching about that. This was when uh, Harlan was at a convention when he was like in high school, was hanging out with these guys, and he was listening to L. Ron Hubbard just t- talking shit about not getting paid, and then. Um, I don't know if it was Paul or who was with him at the time and was like, you know, might have even been Asimov. I forget who. I mean, it might change in every story, but, you know, obviously he's like, well, you know, you should start a religion. And they basically, like, pitched him, like, a bunch of different science fiction authors were like, oh, yeah, you could do this, you could do this. And then, like, 20 years later, Dianetics and eventually... Uh, Scientology is 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 almost exactly what, they, and that this is what Harlan says. <clears throat> so I'm sure that you know those Scientologists are always fucking googling themselves, and so they saw that interview or they heard that interview back in the day, and then they saw that Harlan was kind of like shitting on their religion that is just made up. Yeah, uh, and they were probably like fuck him, and that that might have been some of the the yeah. anger that that I had. Dude, it's all fucking stupid. Welcome to Conspiracy Hour. I mean, hour. it's totally stupid. And they're turning the frogs <laughs> gay. gay. Yeah. I'm tired of them putting... Give it in their water. water. <laughs> Turn the freaking frogs gay. All right, so... Uh, so, so what's this episode about right, again? So we're talking about Harlan Ellison. You, you, you didn't say... Okay, you didn't say what your first story was with Harlan Well, it was through Scientology. Yeah, yeah. So it was through Scientology. It was through author services. And it was you, were getting getting audited. you were getting audited. Yeah. How many nah, feet in the jab? It was their... their you were not going um, clear. <laughs> the, someone... Their publishers, Author Services, Inc. And they were telling me about... How shitty Harlan Ellison was, and it's probably because so that, he talked shit about yeah. L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Well, no, it, in res, in respect to their religion and right. how it's just about make it was just about making L. Ron Hubbard money because he never made shit as a as a writer. So that piqued your interest. And what was the story that you read? Was it so, that story? Yeah, the, it, it, the story that I read was um, the first story was. Um, how, how interesting a tiny man? Or, no, 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 no. Uh, I have no mouth? I have no mouth on my screen. Okay. Um, what was your experience? Because, you know, usually you'd heard of them. So, you? yeah, so so generally I went through a period when I was in college, like, trying to get into science fiction, like, Asimov and all that, and I came across Harlan Ellison. I wouldn't be able to point pinpoint anything. Okay. But when we were doing research for body horror, yeah. uh, I have no mouth and I must scream came up many yes. times. And so I listened to it, and then I was happy to listen to it again because... 
I love the story. And after listening to that, he's got a he's got a very interesting like he's got a unique voice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I looked at a bunch of interviews with him, and you know, just kind of fell in love with the asshole. You know, I, I I like asshole characters, and and he's a living person who's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about him as a person uh, and just cover. So we covered the the controversy, the boot grab controversy. Um, so if you pick up uh, one of his uh, books or anything printed by him as anthology within maybe the last 20 years, you'll see that uh, after his name, there's a copyright symbol um, or a tra- it's a trademark symbol uh, because he is um, he's vicious legally and he'll go after anyone that he thinks has stolen an idea from him. Um, he successfully sued uh, NBC. He su- successfully sued James Cameron yep. and won. Uh, for for Terminator. Yeah, yep. so he won for Terminator. Um, well, they settled. I don't know if that's they, a, it's a well, win. settled usually yeah, Well, yeah, and he'll, he'll tell you how much, uh, the huge amount that he settled yeah. for. because And his thing, what I love about Harlan as a, as a human being is that he's all about the writer. And he says it in interviews. He's, he... He bought a billboard after he beat NBC when they they stole one of his ideas and made a show based off of it. He made a billboard that was basically, um, you know, like fuck them, sue them if you can. Like they'll take every, like they'll they'll take your ideas and steal it. This was in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. Um, so he's like very much a writer's writer. He's he's not he does not appeal to the masses. He is very specific. He he's an award-winning writer. His 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 writing tends to be geared towards a more sophisticated audience. I, my opinion, and his opinions as well are generally like, "Fuck you." There's a dumb type of. There's a lot of dumb human beings. I'm talking to. I'm not talking to them. Yeah. Like I'm 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 addressing the writer. I'm uh, addressing the smart consumers. Um, it's a little elitist. Well, he is very. He's, he's, he's very. He's, elitist. he's an elitist. Yeah, he's an asshole. Um, one thing that I really, coming from the writer's writer perspective, um, when we were talking at ArmadilloCon, what came up was genre fiction versus literary fiction, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that was said was genre fiction is about plot, whereas literary fiction is about character development, and. Harlan Ellison's work proves that wrong. Proves that wrong 100% because Harlan Ellison's stories are, I mean, God, I mean, they could be considered, I mean, they're, they're well, literary fiction uh, actually, and sci fi. Actually, it probably proves that sentiment right because who the fuck literary person points to Harlan Ellison? No one. No literary person's like, hey, it's Harlan so strange. Ellison. It's so strange. Because he, he is, he writes. When you read his writing, it feels so literary. And when you when you read the shit that he edits, it's so literary, but it's never character based. It's so plot heavy. Well, no, even the the stuff Dangerous Visions. What struck me about it so much was how literary it was. Well, uh, literate. What do you? How are you defining I, literary? Dude, I I don't know because you're I defining yeah. it in a different way than yeah. than the people at ArmadilloCon, where they're just saying. Hey, literary is uh, it not smart? They're not saying literary is smart. They're saying literary is character driven, yeah. which is like 
I agree with you. I think that he should be studied in not science fiction classes. I think he should be studied in high school. There's kind of a travesty of history going on here, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I I don't know how you feel about Kurt Vonnegut or whatever, but Kurt Vonnegut is seen as, like, by literary people to be sci-fi and by sci-fi people to be literary or whatever. He he did not want to be considered Mm -hmm. sci-fi. He wanted to be considered literary fiction. A travesty of history, though, is that Harlan Ellison isn't, revered in the popular culture the same way that Kurt Vonnegut is when in every in every aspect they're equal writers in a lot of ways whoa that's that's I mean, pretty high praise I, I kind of agree from reading yeah. short stories from reading short stories he didn't write yeah. novels okay well Kurt well, Vonnegut wrote yeah he wrote novels but dude short stories are short stories are, are, are the whole, epitome of literary well I mean yeah short stories like the long history of writing it's short stories are the main, like that's what is in most quantity. Mm. Um, before we had paperbacks and all that, we had serialized novels, which served almost as basically little short stories uh, printed monthly. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of relatively new in history that that we looked at novelists as the epitome of fiction, when really the Driving force of fiction short stories. I like Harlan Ellison, but I don't know if that put him up there with Kurt Vonnegut, man. I think there's a similar thing. Wait, Kurt Vonnegut has this graph about storytelling, right? Yeah. And it's like, I forgot what it is, but it always ends with, hero finds himself in a hole, hero climbs out of a hole, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's a Kafka story, <laughs> hero stays in the hole. And Harlan Ellison's work goes deeper. is like, hero, so digs, it, hero digs bigger hole. No, you know? his work is... Society is a whole. Yeah. Period. <laughs> and it's so cynical. Like it's it's, it's yeah. awesome. Well, I love let, it. let's hold off yeah. on that okay. for like a little bit because we'll. All right, little man. <laughs> I do uh, want to say one thing. Oh well, a little guy. <laughs> I know we've maybe we've talked about it or touched on it in the past. Um, lit uh, genre fiction in general just doesn't get the respect. You know that that if you you you. Uh, Stick a sci-fi tag on it, and people are like, oh, "Never mind." Well, but respect uh, that's got spaceships in it. Okay, uh, but here's the thing: respect of what? Well, the dollars or the New Yorker magazine? Yeah, the because I'll tell you this: New Yorker magazine, like three or four years ago, put out like genre issue where literary writers write genre fiction, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden it deserves yeah. praise because some Jonathan Franzen clone decided that he could write no. science fiction. Have you too. ever read? Uh, uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road, you'll know that, um, like, literary people can't fucking write genre. They're trash at it. They're garbage because they don't realize that The Road has already been written, like, 20 times and, like, way fucking better. It, there was books like The Road in the 1930s. Was, it, so, was Running Man similar to that? Stephen King's Running Man? Uh, the, long, the Long Walk? Something like that. Okay. It's a post-apocalyptic. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, all I'm saying is that when when literary people like try to write sci-fi, a lot of times they just fucking crash and burn. And and the literary people are like they they herald these novels as like the best of uh, Cormac McCarthy. Like, the Road's like his best thing, his magnum opus. And it's like, dude, if you Dude, just read, like, half of these other books that are way better, that have the same plot. I don't know. I, mean, I, mean, I have I mean, a chip on my shoulder about I mean, it. Yeah, that's, but, a, yeah. The, 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 that's what a lot of people... Yeah. Lot of people because a lot of people... I, I work with people who thought Margaret Atwood was terrible because she thought science fiction... Because she's... A, she's speculative fiction. That's yeah. Thank you very much. But 
to me, I mean, I don't get into that. What's better? What's this or that? Like, it's just like, uh, to me, who fucking cares? Yeah. Is it good or not? If yeah. it's not good, it's not good. If it's good, it's good. There's a lot of times where something's good mechanically and, you know, technically and all that kind of stuff that just doesn't jive with me. I'm not going to say that it's a piece of shit, though. Yeah. There are pieces of shit out there. And they deserve to be called pieces of shit. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not so interested in, like, comparing what... What is degrees better than something else? Right. I'm just, I, I'm actually surprised after reading so much of this stuff is that he's not more respected in the culture at large. I think that that has a lot to do with him being an asshole. Yeah. I think that that scared a lot of producers and um, uh, c- companies, directors from working with him because he... He called out Cameron and he won. Yeah. And I'm not even so sure he should have won um, in in that particular yeah. instance. Uh, it, with the NBC thing, I don't know. I mean, he he won he won a lot of money off of that. So back he doesn't then. even get like the love that like Philip K. Dick gets. No, and I think he's short story wise. I think he's better. Well, I mean, the Philip K. Dick story we read was was really good, but which one was? That was the I forgot what it was yeah. the faith of our fa- I, it okay. was it was the yeah. it was kind of like the Lovecraftian thing like yeah. I don't know it was bit. weird yeah. I mean yeah. Yeah, it, it felt like strange but uh, it felt like something you would really fucking like I, I did like it yeah um, but I saw a coworker who's like he's into science fiction and stuff but he, he's into like Stephen King PKD and stuff and then well, as you know I'm reading this and I get a chance like dude I saw you reading PKD you know it's like. <laughs> Check out this dude right here, Harlan Ellison, all right? <laughs> you know? And I recommended books to him before, and it's gone well, so now it's just like, all right, dude, let's see. <laughs> let's see. Half price ain't that far away from radio. Yeah. You can, you can get Harlan yeah. Ellison book pretty easy. So has, I know you said that he had a video game, about has, has he had a lot of other stuff adapted, Ellison? Yeah, so he had um, A Boy and His Dog adapted, which he hated. Was it a movie? Um, yes. Okay. He he's written for TV. So right, 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 uh, this right. is another uh, thing that I want to bring up. He wrote uh, what's probably like the most acclaimed um, Star Trek episode of all time, which is uh, the City on the Edge of Forever. I don't know if you, if you guys have gotten. You know, one. we should have watched it too. I mean, I, well, I, I, he hates it. Yeah, uh, because he wrote a story where um, the characters change a little bit more, and they're different by the end. But the the more episodic format of uh, Gene Roddenberry's show, like, he couldn't... Right. You know, he couldn't... uh, So it had to be adapted, and so he wanted his name taken off it, or he was always really upset that they didn't use his script exactly as written. He's very hard to work with that way because he doesn't ever compromise. Uh, He's he's not an easy person to collaborate with, it seems. So... um, he was really upset about that, and eventually, I think Dark Horse uh, adapted his screenplay into a comic book. Or it might have been IDW. I'm not. I'm not sure, but you can get his his actual screenplay, um, and I've read it. I mean, it was fine. It was it was good. Um, the art was well, looked a little bit like Alex Ross. I'm not a huge. Me neither. The oil not painting. a huge fan of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> in fact, I just got into an argument with uh, CJ, who might actually listen to this about. 
about Alex Ross? Yeah, but I think he's, he's fine. fucking overrated as shit. Yeah. And and Kingdom Come is uh, Alan Moore trash. Like it's it's like Oh wait, I think I see I think I saw that. Yeah, thread. it's like it's like someone trying to write an Alan Moore story and it's not good. Well he didn't write it. He didn't write Kingdom no, Come, no, he he just did it, the artwork. For it. Al, no, Alex Ross wrote the pitch for it. Kingdom Come. Oh, yeah. I think, but they did that after Marvels, which I think Marvels was really good. Yeah. So, but yeah, Alex Ross, he just is like oil oil painting uh, comic books. You know, it's like it's fine. Like it's, he tries to do comic books as fine art. And it's it very dour. Work. It's yeah. a very dour fifties, like yeah. Superman with a rounded chin and a dimple. And anyway, so uh, that that that's the kind of what I feel like the art of that book is. But <clears throat> you you actually get to read his exact s- script, um, adapted into comic book form. Any movies? Yeah, you got, uh, like, Terminator. <laughs> Terminator. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, But like you know, PKD has uh, um, but, uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, Blade. and I don't. Think so, and okay. that might have to do with how him, difficult he was. Yeah, yeah. How, how difficult like and how he's not willing to compromise. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, honestly, with the uh, oh yeah, I think RoboCop too has a lot of. I think he might have sued over RoboCop. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. We're gonna have to look this up. Yeah, but he sued we'll a, a lot. Facts don't he's, matter, man. Yeah, he sued a lot um, because he wants to be. He's about fucking paying the writer. And Amen. which I love, yeah. and then he's about um, you know representing. He's about you know representing the most you know core essence of the idea, whatever the idea is. Yeah. Which is, I I can go back and forth on because I understand uh, I'm attempting to work in television, and you have to fucking compromise because everyone has their own vision, and it's a huge pain in the ass. Well, I, the so, other thing is, I mean, it's. It's an art form, but it's a highly technical art form. It's yeah. very time constrained, and you have to think about commercials and all that kind of shit. Yeah, like it's a different kind of writing. Yeah, uh, let you know if someone's gonna adapt it. You know, let the professionals handle it. Take a paycheck. Hey, so yeah. since we're talking about television, let's uh, let's just like roll into that because we kind of just uh, discussed the uh, James. Ca- he sued James Cameron, and they settled for a lot. Yeah. Um, he sued, he sued James Cameron because of the two episodes of Outer Limits that he wrote. Uh, one's um, Demon with a Glass Demon Hand. Demon with a Glass Hand and the other one's uh, uh, Soldier. It's just yeah. called Soldier. Um, and good thing he didn't watch... Uh, what, what was that movie that came out? Arrival. Because he probably would have sued them. <laughs> because I actually haven't seen Arrival. Arrival is... Have you seen Arrival? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I think Arrival is kind of very similar to... The idea behind um, the the main character and, and some of the concepts behind Soldier uh, Arrival is like aliens uh, speak through aliens come. I don't want to spoil it, but aliens come to Earth, and the main character is a uh, like a speech pathologist type person. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's the same thing in Soldier. The main character is a uh, like a speech pathologist and they're studying this uh, soldier that's come back from the future and uh, I love that because you never see it's always the main character is is is, uh, is always like a different type of hero you know it's yeah. it's it would have been the soldier normally it would have been yeah. the soldier but in this story it focuses on the uh, learning his language because he's from the future and the the pathologist is trying to figure out what he's saying 
you know, he's using context clues or, or whatever. That's a very interesting, very high concept story, um, especially for the fucking 60s. Well, I, so this is an episode of The Outer, the outer, outer, limits. outer it's, limits. It's the um, season two uh, opener. Yeah. So episode one, season two. So you guys saw it. I didn't get a chance to see it. I read the synopsis. But what, what did you think of it, Andrew? Um, I liked it. It's very... I mean, we have such a different... We live in such a different time of TV that it's, it's super dated when it comes to um, uh, pacing. Yeah. Like, pacing is a lot slower. I don't know. I thought... I don't know. I like Demon with a Glass Hand a little bit more than, than Soldier, but I'm not comparing the two in terms of, like, yeah. how good they are. Um I like Soldier, like the speech pathologist thing. The thing, too, is like it's a slow pace, but they didn't take any time to explain how the pathologist was able to figure out what he was saying. Like, it's kind of like, oh, I figured it out. He's a soldier, okay? Yeah. And he keeps saying, he says the same thing over and over again because that's his rank and his number and all this kind of shit. It's just like. Private. He's saying, like, private, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. So. The suspension of disbelief you have to you have to use. However, it's a perfectly fine story. Uh, it's just a little bit. It, it, it is like a rip off Twilight Zone style. Um, but that's not Harlan. That's right, the, right, right, right. That's not Harlan. That's the outer limits. Right. I'm just talking that's about the outer, right. So I'm talking about the outer limits. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, I agree. The, the form itself. Yeah. It's a long form, right? Because it's, it's like an hour long. Yeah, yeah, like the episodes are long. Half yeah. An hour long. Well, no. Uh, Twilight Zone's an hour. There was right. one season that was 30 minutes, I think. No, that... The, the, Google it, guys. I don't well, know. We're, we're, I, I honestly think that... don't matter. Don't I, matter. Yeah. I think that, that Twilight Zone had better pacing than Outer Limits, just in terms of visual style and all that kind of stuff. That being said... Even their hundred fucking what? Western episodes? Jesus well, Christ. Well, <laughs> right. But that being said, though, the story itself was good. It was interesting, and it wasn't like a normal. It's not like what you expect from sci-fi. Yeah. It starts off with blasters, right? And yeah. these soldiers fighting each other. They fall into this weird time thing, and all of a sudden, this soldier is on the streets of New York or whatever, uh, lost, you know. And a speech pathologist comes in, the CIA guy or whatever. The yeah. FBI guy's like, hey, "I got a, I got a future, whatever." And they send me a. Speech pathologist? Yeah. What are you going to do? Sonny? You know, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. I would love to read it as a short story. That's what I'm saying. I think it would have been a better short story. I do... uh, One thing I'd like to point out, this is not his fault, but the speech pathologist is probably like late 60s, age-wise. And his wife is like 35. I know. (laughs) That's 60s for you. I know, I know. Well, and from what I read... When I was reading the synopsis of this, I was like, this sounds like the Terminator. And I was as I was going down, they're like, oh, and also he sued. For- yeah. Well, <laughs> see, so that one, so there's different aspects of these things that, that, that make that it mixed. Terminator-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's those, no pathology or whatever. Well, right. and I think that he would have been okay. He, he said in interviews, this is going back to who he is as a this person. This is what he said. This is what he said in interviews, yeah. right? This is not exactly how he may have acted, but yeah. he has said... If James Cameron just talked to me, if he had just given me credit, I wouldn't have fucking come at him with like hell's wrath and, yeah. and all the all the legal shit. And anytime one of those movies comes out, it's he's in the credits. Yeah. So we and that was the work of yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> <Allison>. which is <laughs> trademark symbol. Yeah, yeah, which is so uh, catty. 
Yeah. Well, we know that you did something like this. Yeah. Well, because James Cameron apparently had said, "Hey, you know, I'd seen these Outer Limit episodes, and I wanted to kind of combine some of the ideas." And so, if if James Cameron hadn't have said that, Harlan Ellison he, would never probably Harlan either. Ellison probably wouldn't have because uh, he he had said it to like a mutual friend who worked at a magazine. Yeah. And that dude was just like, you know, I, I got to fucking call yeah. call him up or send him a letter. Yeah. And so then that. Harlan had like I I swear Harlan had like a bunch of spies yeah. like working for him just saying hey hey man this this guy's ripping you off he he mentioned your name and his 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 book's kind of like yours or his movie's kind of like yours so yeah he'd sue your ass yeah so that was the one episode and so the yeah, was soldier Demon of the, Gla- Demon of the Glass Hand which I liked quite a bit more uh, there's more action there's more one. action but also the whole. It was such a bizarre thing. Like, visually, it was funny to me because it was like he had this hand that obviously was missing fingers, right? But then the actor had to wear a glove to cover up this and hand. He totally and it would have five, five, five fingers, you know? Or you would touch the woman's face and the fingers would move. But then as soon as that, as soon as that hand was ungloved, it was like this blinking glass hand. Yeah. That, it, was, it was hilarious. Yeah. But that also, I mean, that was more like Terminator because. The alien race was trying to eliminate this last human uh, from the future, and they yeah. got stuck in the past or whatever. Um, there are all the like humans. There are no. There are no humans in the future, but he's the one human that knows where they are. Where, where they are, and it's somewhere in his glass hand, um, which is his brain. Which yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's very compelling. I, I like that one a lot, and and. Uh, it's also kind of very gamey, where he's got yeah. to get all all digits yeah. of his yeah. finger. Um, that one is. Uh, I don't want to spoil the ending because I think the ending is pretty powerful. But um, when you find out where the humans are, um, that's very that's a very high concept for some light years ahead of yeah um, a lot of things yeah and and one thing that I can spoil for the the other episode. Where he, uh, where the sol- the soldier episode, there are these soldiers in the future, and he he kind of mentions like a uh, he freaks out at a cat, and in the future uh, you're led to believe that cats uh, or like panthers are uh, genetically modified to run reconnaissance, which is like yeah that is a that's something that would have been written in the mid two thousands yeah. Or maybe, you know, by, like, I could see that... That's, like, a Neil Stevenson thing, yeah. right? One of the dogs yeah. is, is like that, or, you know... I mean, that's that's a right. very... He's ahead of his time, oh, really. And also, just commentary on the visualizations inside uh, Demon with a Glass Hand. There's, like, a scenes that felt, like, uh, Kubrick-esque. You know, like, the elevator thing, and yeah. it's, like, these long shots of this machinery. Hey, uh, that shit that I tweeted, right. was no. that the place, or No. It looks. I have really no idea, similar. but it looks so much like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is apparently the same place where they filmed Blade Runner, which I didn't put two, yeah. two together. Yeah, I, I did. I, I be used to. I, I, I right bet now. it's shot there. Yeah. yeah, but it was just so. It was visually so stunning and interesting. Yeah, and it's, and one aspect of that was knowing that the Outer Limits was like. Uh, you know, a little bit cheaper yeah, version. The dollar budget. What what they could do with that budget? I mean that that should inspire people today. Well, I feel like I feel like young writers, young artists get uh, bogged down in, in in oh I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the money. Like, you, there's just so much at your disposal. Yeah. There's so much that you have 
that other people didn't have. You can do so much. Stop being a fucking asshole. You know? Soderbergh directed a movie that was in theaters with an iPhone. Yeah. Well, I, last year or yeah. this year. Yeah. So what I've told Zach is the sci-fi that I tend to like the most is the the, the sci-fi that's grounded, where it's maybe it's just five or ten years ahead of the current time, and some small things are different. You know and. There was definitely some of that in here, which I appreciate. There's, there's more like fantastical stuff as well, yeah. or future stuff. But, but that's just the the sci-fi that I tend to like. The ones that's, that's more grounded. Yeah. So Miguel pointed out dangerous visions for all you yeah. people yeah. who are so, yeah, not so, in the room. Right. Well, we haven't even said. <laughs> so we've been focusing on Harlan yeah. Ellison, and specifically, let's we trans- read, transition. Then great I think segue. it's a great, great segue. Well, I was uh, segueing without you guys. Uh, yeah. You, no, I approve. Yeah, Tell yeah, Zach. Yeah, Zach. Uh, we're segueing to the book that we actually read, well, sh- um, stories from it, Dangerous Visions, edited by Harlan Ellison. One thing I want to bring up about this, which I, I know I selected some stories for y'all. I don't know how much uh, else of this you've uh, read in addition to these stories, but um, to get into the who Harlan is as a person is... He writes his forward. He has a forward for every fucking story. Yeah. And some of the forwards are, are longer, longer than the <laughs> stories themselves. He's got an ego. He yeah. had an ego. The on motherfucker him. was arrogant. <laughs> yeah. He I was mean, super full of himself. Now, it's very interesting to look back and to see all of the commentary about genre and, and how uh, how... People interacted with genre back then, which you get a little sense of that from some of the forwards and some of the afterwards um, for each yeah, fucking forwards story. and afterwards. Forwards. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I um, mean, the, the block story was hilarious. Yeah. The block story is tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the forward is I've so never twice read size. A, I've never read a, you know, this book or a compilation of books, a stories that had a forward. For each story and an afterward. Yeah, it doesn't start. have an afterward for each story. Yeah, well, most but, stories. But, most I mean, a lot yeah. of them. Well, um, we're going to start doing that on the Cockroach Conservatory, yeah. too. It's just <laughs> every yeah, one. Fill it out, yeah. dude. Fill yeah. it out. Um, but I will say that, uh, I mean, it's, very, it's actually right now, it reads like a textbook. It's very interesting to read through thought processes of what it was like in the 60s, whenever this came out. But I could imagine if someone came out with something like this today, I would fucking hate it. Yeah. I would be like, dude, fuck you for making me read two pages before I read every story. Yeah. That's very annoying. I think it's a, a byproduct of what happened is that you get to see, a little, you get a little more information about the 60s, but he didn't do it because of that. Yeah. He did it because of his ego. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing, one uh, additional thing I want to mention is that there was a sequel called Again Dangerous Visions. Well, there was a couple of them. And then there was a proposed The Last Dangerous Visions, which is the third one, that never came out. And he owned all the rights to the stories, and he never gave them back to the authors. And that was a fucked up thing that he did. So that's something I can't agree with him as far as being a writer. But, uh, yeah, he hoarded those stories for 40 years or so. Another thing <clears throat> that's weird about this is he actually has one of his own stories in it. Yeah. But you don't see a lot in, in anthologies. Well, it, it, depend, it depends. I don't know. I, I think a lot of people do it, but but you have some hangups I, on it. Yeah, I don't. I it's it's awkward for me because um, I feel like as an editor, you should try to uh, try to. You, you can't really edit yourself, you know. Yeah. 
So it feels a little bit like a director, you know, of you know, a movie director making cameos. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. And and I didn't want so I I edited it. It's always the worst part of the movie too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, his story. His story's good. He's yeah. got to sell. You know, his name sells. So I, I would yeah. understand. That. And and with George R. R. Martin, he includes a lot of his stories in his, and his name will sell an anthology. If he says, "Hey, there's a Game of Thrones story in this anthology," then it helps those other writers. Yeah. Really, I, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. To be honest, I, like there's there were times where I saw an anthology was edited by Stephen King, and I'm like, ah, I'm not. he just edited it. But if he had a short story, and I went, I might have bought it. So, I, yeah, I, I so, see where he's coming so, from. so the argument works works that way too. I think yeah. commercially, um, I don't know how how popular Harlan Ellison was when this came out. Was is this what made him? I mean, I think he was like a he was a name, but he I don't think had won. He but he he would be nowhere near a Stephen King or George R. R. Martin no, level no, no, when no, this no, came no. out. No, no way. Yeah. He and that's he went after people like Asimov to be in this anthology. Asimov isn't. He yeah. he wrote the foreword to it. Yeah. Because he said, "Hey, I'm I'm too washed. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he says that in the foreword. Yeah. He's like, I'm. He he tried to get me to be in this story. I'm like, my visions aren't dangerous enough. I'm an old man. Yeah. Because uh, he was. There's the like uh, this edition, which is the 35th anniversary edition that I have. Like, there's like 35 four years ago, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. This came out in like 2002. Yeah. This, there's like four forwards to this. Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. Get ever get whatever's the newest edition because it has even more. Yeah, it's crazy. There's a more. I think Moorcock did a forward. Oh yeah, for one. Yeah, I think so. Moorcock. Yeah, boy. We liked him. Hey, uh, so we're back. Um, someone's dog shut the fuck up. But I'm drinking something real nice right now. What are you drinking? Got that uh, Oscar Blues Old Chub. Yeah. Gonna raise it for Harlan Ellison. Yeah, I'm, pour, I'm pouring this out onto the, Cheers, the mixer for my my homie don't, Harlan. Don't touch that mixer. How much that mixer cost you? There you go. I got it as a present. Yeah, as a present. Wow. Your wife loves you. Thanks, Willie. She won't listen to this. She can get yeah. you a She hasn't listened to one episode of Books and Beer. She hasn't? Uh, maybe one episode. She told me that I interrupt you too much. Yeah, Did she just said that? No, she's probably heard one episode, okay. one or two episodes. Yeah, so she's she, so basically heard them all. Y'all got to stop. Interrupting my man. Did she say that? Yeah. She put that she y'all did. in there. No, she said me. Uh, she didn't say y'all. <laughs> okay. She said, yo, Z. Yo, Z said, you need to stop up, interrupting dude. my man. Does anybody call you Z? No. You can call me Zach or Chappie. That's, you don't uh, call me Z. I might call you Z. All right, Z. I might call you Z. 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 What up, Z? All right, let's get back. Z. Chop, bro. All right, so let's get into some of these stories. So the first one. If we're going uh, through the book. Yeah. The day after the Martians came. Yeah, by Frederick Pohl. So this um, was like... A, this one was like a, like a commentary on racism. This is the one where... So I was reading this book, and this was the one where I was like, all right, now it got good. Yeah. Um, I think it's like the third, the third or fourth story. It's pretty early in. Um, I don't really remember much up until that point. Um, I might add that this anthology is illustrated. But if you can make out those illustrations, I am impressed. They're, they're, they're like ink, uh, like stamps. Yeah, it's yeah. like a stamp. It's like a wood carving, but a really shitty wood carving. Yeah. This, is, uh, this is one of those times where I actually appreciated the afterword. Mm-hmm. Right. By, because it gave so much more context to the story. And the author 
the author and himself the, yeah, the author wrote the afterword. Wrote the, yeah, and it, it added a lot to it. But yeah, I really, uh, I really like this story. I mean, um, right off the bat, it just it it feels well. It's very short, you know? well, and it takes place. Uh, it's okay. contemporary. Yeah. It's not in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's, it's your jam. It's my jam. Um, so essentially, what the story is. Um, so obviously, it's the day after the day after the Martians came. So um, we, we're it's through the view of uh, a manager of a motel, right, in Florida, right, and uh, his motel has been swamped by all these reporters because you know, the day before they we realized that a marsh. Uh, there was a, um, a NASA flight that went to Mars. They brought back some Martians, and that's the big story. And the the whole story is just those people, the reporters and stuff at the at the hotel, and they're just telling bad jokes yeah. about these Martians. And, and these jokes are recycled jokes from previous uh, immigrants that have, you know, right. previous waves of immigrants that have come and, and have been the butt of the jokes and have been the... The hated ones. So yeah. the, you got your Italians, you have your Irish, you have your Poles, you have your Eastern Europeans, you know, your, your Jews, all, all that, um, that wave of, you know, every uh, wave has, every wave has hated like the, the wave before it or something, you know, like that. And so it, it's just jokes um, that they're recycling about it. And you just, you just realize that, and, and the author even says it in the afterward, that when you think about it, we're just, we're just humans. We're on earth. We're here on earth. And you know, the, the, the Martians are, are different than us, but we're all the same, you know? So I, I really like this book, uh, this, this, uh, story a lot. Uh, and I want to look up some stuff by this. this well, the, the, the author too, he did some real interesting things artistically in this story. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like it could just be like a random, semi-humorous story, a little satire or whatever. Mm. But, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, it starts off like an African-American, like a server. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah, right, 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 right. And all these people are... ends. Uh, right, right. So, so, but all these people are basically making jokes where he would have been the butt of those jokes yeah. the day before the Martians came. Yeah, right, exactly. And, yeah. and all these people are making these jokes now with the Martians. There's a lot of artistic things that went on in this thing that really drove home the point that weren't explicitly like, hey, I'm making a, I'm making a fucking point here. And it was just really well done uh, commentary. Yeah. Yeah, the way it ended was great. He's, he's essentially saying, you know, in six months, nobody's yeah. going to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, outside of the jokes, nobody's going to remember these Martians. And the, the the black waiters or, or staff, whatever, is like, you know, I hate to disagree with you, man, but I, I don't think so. Uh, it's going to make a big, big difference to some people. It's going to make a big, a damn big difference to me. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that's, uh, I, it's been three years since I read this story, and the ending, uh, the, the way it begins with the, with the black busser and the way, it, or I think he's a busser or he's a server, the way it ends is so impactful saying, like, Hey, like I'm fucking moving up in the world. Yeah. Like that's basically the end. Is like, you know, um, I don't know. It's uh this is the type of story uh, that I think should be taught in schools, in high schools. I I, I think that it would do a service to. I mean, I, I'm making a judgment call here, but kids like me and you, you yeah. know, I I feel like uh, we're. The, the, there's a lot of focus on 
history and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of focus on war. Right, it's like, right. this shit is so much more closer to home than shit like the things they carry or it, whatever. You know, it, it's couched in, uh, this is entertainment that contains commentary. Yeah. And, and I feel like that would have, that breaks through to a lot of kids who aren't interested in the story of, win, you know, winners yeah. and losers in world wars. Yeah. Um, or, or like, as a kid, I mean, how many, like, kids are, like, interested in the other, you know? Yeah. And this this story very blanketly is about the other. It's not about racism. It's, yeah. like, it's about the other because now there's aliens that don't have a race, and they're the other. Yeah. So it takes racism out of the other. I mean, it is about racism, right? Because yeah. that's how we, as humans... Uh, experience the other, but you know, as soon as we we experience another uh, alien civilization or whatever, then they're the other. I don't know. It's 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 something that really it should be. It, it is on a level with uh, Bradbury, high, higher um, than Bradbury. Well, I was it, gonna I was gonna say it reminds me of a, a certain story in the Martian Chronicles. Yeah, um, I can't remember exact details, but there's like. A society on Mars mm-hmm. uh, or, or on Earth, but it's you know uh, African Americans are treated a lot better. Um, but it's it's, it's it's in the Martian Chronicles. I don't remember the exact details of the story because I read it like ten years ago. Yeah, but it's similar theme to this. Well, and and I just think that stylistically um, and pacing wise, and just the the umph of it is just it's just it hits a a little bit harder. Than all of the Bradbury stuff that I've read, and I like I yeah. like Bradbury, but the difference between Pole and Bradbury is that Bradbury has multiple books that are required reading, yeah. and Pole has none. And in the, I'm just asking for a fucking short story, like man, yeah. teach that shit. Anyways, um, yeah, so I fully recommend that one, um, I, as with the whole book. But uh, you, do we want to move on? Well, well I just say one thing. This is the the story I've, I've liked the most. I, I liked. <clears throat> all the stories we read, but this is the one I enjoy the most. And this is a perfect example of what you can do with a short story. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, four or six pages, but you get the whole idea of, the, you get the world, right? You know what's happened, and they it, it wraps it up real quick, and, you know, it's, he sends a powerful message within, you know, a couple paragraphs. It, it's great. I love it. Yeah, and it, well, you said the world, so... Mm-hmm. A little bit of world building here is that what I like about these stories is that they don't spend a hell of a lot of time explaining the scenario, the scene. You it just happen. You understand it through the story. Yeah. It doesn't take time to say, well, we were here and here and here and here and here. Yeah. All the stories are very within their own worlds. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's move. Are we ready to move on? Ready to move on. What was the, is the next story the PKD story? Yeah, I think I mean we can talk about anyone you want, but in, in this, I in think the, the next one's the Robert Block one. Oh, Robert okay. Block, a toy for Julia, and then after that, it's the okay. Well, just about world building. Awesome. We're just about world building when it comes to the PKD story. Is it doesn't tell you anything about what's happening. You start to figure out, oh well, these are all like Chinese names. You know what I mean? Yeah, and just. There's a lot of world building. There's it just doesn't world. dwell on it. Right. There's world building, but but there's a way to do world building that 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 speaks to me, 
and there's a way to do world building that Let, there's a lot of let, people get lost in. Let's talk about. Let's go ahead and skip the block story and let's talk about the PKD because we're talking mm-hmm. about world building. Yeah. So there's you, a ton of world building. I, I want It doesn't explain geography though. Yeah. They, they don't go through it, but you start to understand this is in America. No, no, it's it's very very clear. If you if you reread this story and if you read the commentary, it's very clear what's going on. It's not there. Um, they're in a uh, like a um, capitalist Chinese co- uh, a corporatocracy, right? Um, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's but clear, but, but that, that's clear through context. Through context, that, right. they never it's, outright say this is a Chinese right. corporatocracy. The, it's just the clues get built yeah. on through dialogue I, and all those kind of things. I think that if Harlan Ellison had written this story, he would have actually had a paragraph saying that this is the world or whatever. Yeah. But the way um, – I, I do want to talk about world building because it's so interesting to me um, as a craft, someone like struggling to to work on my craft and someone who, who works in genre – is I tend to like to focus on world building, and um, that can be very boring. Uh, or for some people, I mean, uh, Brandon Sanderson has books that are literally two thousand pages long, which are like eighty percent world building. You know, talking about the geography, talking about what some dumb asshole's wearing, and talking about stupid magical blah 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 and how it interacts with the world. Um, Phil K. Dick is is different, but you specifically are a weird and bizarre writer, and you were on a weird and bizarre panel. And I don't know. I just I'm interested in what you have to say about world building, how you do it, versus how. I mean, I feel like Phil K. Dick might be in between genre and bizarro, where bizarro has no. I feel like bizarro has no world. Oh wait, so one real, real quick. I suppose that we were talking about we're talking about Faith of Our Fathers by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, which is in in the Dangerous Visions yes. anthology. So world building, you know, I myself I play RPGs. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like JRPGs. I love the world map. I love all that kind of shit. Yeah. Right. When it comes to reading, though. Uh, I don't like when someone takes all this time to tell me about the geography, the political systems, and all that kind of stuff. I like when it's built into dialogue or built into plot rather than let's spend 100 pages talking about the political systems and the wars. And how can, that, 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 to me, feels like the Bible in yeah. a lot of ways. So this, it starts off, the story starts immediately. This is what's happening, right? Well, it throws you in. It yeah. throws you right into it. And as he's talking, as the names get peppered in, as they start talking about a little bit more about history and all this kind of stuff, it, it gives the reader space to immerse themselves in the world before they're told literally everything about it. Yeah. And so I don't know how to articulate that any better than what I just did. It's just it allows the reader to breathe in a world that they don't fully understand and they let the unraveling of that story happen along with the plot. So I will, I will, I, I agree with you that that's what PK Dick did in this. I disagree in that. I feel like with Bizarro, sometimes you don't get the after. So you're saying like you, you build up, build up, build up. Then you have an understanding. I feel like when I read a lot of Bizarro, there's like, there's a lot of questions and little answers. I feel like if you're a, a smart reader and you read uh, Faith 
of of our fathers, you understand the world that is being built yeah. for you. It's, and I like it's that. It's never explained, right? But you understand it through context, through dialogue, through character names, through the buildings that they're in. I mean, it's a corporatocracy. Yeah, right? that's that's what I interpret right. it to be. And I, I say this: I like Bizarro. Yeah, I like it. I don't know that I can define it. Right. Yeah. And here's the other thing too: is like I get lumped into Bizarro as a writer because. A lot of what I write is weird, mm-hmm. but I started writing stories before I ever fucking knew what Bizarro was. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what Bizarro is. I, I feel like I'm a little bit more horror, weird, humor, all that kind of stuff, but I don't know how I would define Bizarro. I don't know how I would define these things. I don't know how to define where I fit in into those things. Yeah, no, I don't, so, I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not, I, yeah, I didn't mean yeah. to say, yeah. I'm not criticizing you. I'm, and I don't think you're Bizarro. So I don't, yeah. I, and I probably don't think any of those three people on that panel were bizarre. I think they no, might have just been weird. Yeah, I, I think we're all weird writers. But the thing is, like, I, I, I'm less interested in like the the, the, the categories, the, right? The categories. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, this never interested me. What I'm saying about the PKD stuff is, like, when it comes to bizarre writing, like, yeah, there's stuff I like and there's stuff I don't like, just like anything else. But this specifically, in fact, all of these stories, they, there's little in the way of over. Explanation it, to me, it was like it was liberating for you to be dropped into the world, because in my mind, the world itself that we live in, we're dropped into it, yeah. and it's kind of inexplicable. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just it's it's absurd. So, I, I, to me, I like to play in absurdity, and I, and I like to play in these things that are a little bit more nebulous. So, one thing I'll say um, to your point earlier was that this Philip K. Dick story, Faith of Our Fathers, uh, feels like, you know, in Spanish class or in any class, you can try to learn by textbook, you can try to learn by rote, you can try to learn by the teacher, or you can get fully immersed in the world. And this is what it feels like. You're, you're saying you just dropped in and you just you just get it. You just start, um, you know, picking up details, little details and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas opposed to... Um, you know, when somebody starts world building a lot, that feels like you're reading a textbook. Ex- exposition. They're right. explaining shit. Yeah. Exposition. You don't want to be explained to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you just want it, you just want it to come natural. Now, don't get me wrong. I like some world building. I like when it's succinct and when it uh, when it shows a pattern and and you just like you go from like if you're, you're t- I forgot what I don't know what story Dude. we're reading, but fantasy was it fantasy. It might have been, but we just went from like when the world started. Oh, it might. What are you doing here right now? Are you doing Gene Wolf? Are you the trash? Gene <laughs> no, 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 no. Trash Because when it comes to world building, we're about to cut you off. No, no, it was actually the the Japanese manga. I forget which one it was, but oh, does the Devil Man? Yeah, yeah. Where Devil Man took like like eighty pages. I know it's annoying. Yeah, where this just drops you in. Yeah. So this is why I appreciate about it. Uh, Faith of Our Fathers. Zach, do you want to tell us kind of the synopsis? Of well, the hold on, time out. Right when it comes to world building, okay, and I sound like I hated world building. I don't hate it. I think right. it's great. I love it. Has it has its place. It has its place. And it also fits in other genres more than it fits in certain, you know, certain things. However, I think I'm the only person who plays D&D here. Wait, <laughs> what? Like, what? Play? You oh, do not fucking play D&D. I, 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 Get the fuck. Fuck I, I am you. not part of any current group, but I have played D&D, okay. yes. And, I, and I, was, I was fully committed. You and Vin Diesel? 
Yeah, dude, I, I was fully committed, okay? Let's just say it. Let's just put it that way. Wow. Uh, and it's really fun, and a lot of it's world building. Whoa, you know, but, but the most fun the most fun about it is your dungeon master tells you the world, he tells you the kind <laughs> of... Right, right, right. Can, we he, cut, can we cut all this dumb <laughs> shit that he's talking about out? He, he world built me in my eyes and said, <laughs> your dungeon master <laughs> with full conviction <laughs> and put my hand on your knee, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, man. now, so, but because you did that, now I can call that gay, right? <laughs> uh, uh, no, that was just a little bit of... G-H-E-Y. That was a little bit of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you were saying you're Dungeon Master? <laughs> yes, yes, Sensei? You know, fuck you guys, dude. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, thought, I hey. thought I was the genre writer here. I thought I was the big nerd. Yo, he's slitting in DMs, right? The Dungeon Master. <laughs> Alright, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> I like how we just shave. We just shave. This, I'm sorry, this is a major revelation. Man. Hold on, time out of Mr. Witcher. I was actually shocked when I heard you didn't play D&D. The Witcher? I'm surprised. Yeah, okay, surprised. yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to have to check my fucking jump ability if I'm stacking a bunch of gnomes on top of each other to see if I can jump over them. <laughs> Fucking lame, dude. Dude, wait, wait, wait. The Witcher is fucking cool. Hey. The Witcher kills like badass monsters. What, what are you I, doing? I, like, welcome to the nerd. Oh, I, nerd I, I, think for your, I think I think for your sake, you, you, you probably excuse have, me. Have, have you played a game yet? Have you, you played got, a game? Have you played a fucking we, game? Have you played it? Have you played this race? Have you played this race? Have you played this Have you played this race? Have you played this dragons? Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Yet? Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? No, I've never played it. But I have rolled for initiative before. Yeah, do not <laughs> knock it till you try it. Is all I'm saying. Uh, next time we do um, your a dungeon sword and sorcery, maybe we'll play. Again. Yeah, we should play. But you know, it how takes, long does it take? Uh, well, it, uh, it takes months. months. <laughs> yeah. Why it takes years? As long as this oh, like a campaign or some shit. Yeah, I was not. So the thing is, there's different. There's different types of play. There's Pathfinder. You didn't need to play. tell me. No, you didn't. I, I was. Hey, look, look, doing version three. Look, 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 look. You're actually on five. Okay, I'm, I, oh. I was doing five. But anyways, let's just say this here. Let's just say this. <laughs> At least I don't LARP. <laughs> What are you talking about, Lars? You, you can always LARP. find somebody to shit on. It's just like the. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the day, the, the day after the LARPers. The day after the day after the LARPers came. Yep. At least I know LARP. <laughs> hey, what? Why wouldn't the wife have sex with a LARPer? <laughs> God damn it! All right. Um, so we're, we're we're talking about uh, faith, faith of, of our, our fathers. fathers. Synopsis. Y'all, y'all got this. But this guy, he's a little bit, you know, whatever. He's trying to rise up or something. This details, whatever. Uh, but 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 he ends up getting a, this homeless guy says, "Hey, I got you know, you had to buy for me because I'm a veteran of the war." That's part. This is part of the world building, right? Yeah. Veteran of the war, and it's illegal for you not to buy my wares. Just like the indie. Uh, he, he gives him a drug. He gives him a drug because he's like, "Hey, tell me what's your, what's ailing you." Gives him a drug. He goes and watches what's. Required. You have to watch the speeches on TV yeah. of the party leader. It's, it, it reminds me of um, Kim Jong Un. Nineteen eighty four. It reminds me of like, oh. nineteen eighty four. Brave New World. There's all these different, yeah. oh, different elements. Um, but he goes after he took this drug. We've entered the burping. Uh, uh, it reminds yeah. me of they live. They live yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely consume. And he sees 
he sees the party leader is not a human at all, right? Uh, it, it, with, with help uh, from the drug. From the drug, right. So he calls the authorities. This guy sold me a hallucin, uh, yeah, hallucinogen. I'm, I'm tripping balls. And they come back and say, it was actually anti-hallucinogen. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, what the fuck, dude? What? What happened? And so it, it was like this kind of government conspiracy. We need you. The lady's like, hey, we're there's a group of us. We all, It's an anti-hallucinogen. However... Everyone sees something different. There's 12 different types of things they see when the party leader speaks. So we need you to go to the dinner that the party leader... Because he's high up. Because he's high up. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's getting high up. So he goes, right? And he's kind of unsure about himself. He's going to do it, whatever. Um, There's always people there. High society people, you know, the bodyguard. And and it's all Chinese, and it's all based off of that type of... um, um, Loyalty to the corporation type yeah. but, thing, but it's important to say that this is take place. This t- takes place in America, kind of like a post World War Three, where China has taken over half of yeah. the United States. Or it, right. it does it take place in America? Who knows? I, I thought it did. But I mean, I, I, I felt I, like it just straight took place in China. I, um, I, I thought it took the place. main character is Caucasian. Yeah, so that's why I thought it took place in America because it was. It, it took place. I, I thought it took place in somewhere that wasn't China. Okay, because because it, it builds this kind of that they're not in the motherland, or right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he's rising in the party, and he goes to the he, he goes to the dinner party, and uh, he takes the you know he takes the anti hallucinogen, and uh, sees some sees some crazy shit. You know, um, how does it end? It, well, it, it, it's really real. It's like a really like. There's like a go- cosmic well, god. This this is why I brought up Bizarro because it it does have that um, sense of Bizarro and that I think the person who's kind of running the government slash corporatocracy or whatever is a um, like an alien creature that cannot be defined. Right. It's a, it's like a it's almost like an alien god that cannot be defined. Yeah, and then the, the, that's why I said it was like and, a little bit Lovecraftian and yeah, just like it, idea. It feels I mean, I would just I don't want to even want to call it Lovecraftian. I want to call it like Philip K Dickensian because it's so like other shit that he's written yeah. in that someone takes a drug and then they learn a truth and the truth relates to god yeah. or like the existence of like stand the truth, god. yeah, stand a stand-in for God, well, and Philip, so. Philip but he, he was a yeah, I mean, he, he was like a super Christian, right? Yeah, yeah, he was like super anti-abortion. He was super Catholic, and he wrote like an annotated. He wrote like an annotated Bible, basically. Yeah, um, he's a yeah. So not I, the greatest. <clears throat> well, I mean, I think his writing is awesome. I mean, yeah. we, we this isn't the first time. Which, by the way, we have to mention this one podcast now. Just if you're a fan of Philip K. Dick, listen to the Dickheads. Because Dick. they do a similar thing to us, but all I do is read Philip K. Dick. Nice. It's a good, funny podcast. Um, so it, en- it ends where um, the amorphous blob that was was God uh, touched him on the shoulder. Yeah. And then later on the night, or maybe it was the next day, uh, he sees that he has like a, a rash or something yeah. there, and it's, it's like striations, and it's getting worse. And yeah. uh, he knows that he's going to eventually die from it. And so he just continues having sex with that that woman that yeah. uh, trying to try to recruit him into the cult. This felt a little bit. Um, this is bizarro. 
Yeah, yeah, that's why I brought that up. Yeah. So, like, if Harlan Ellison sued for Terminator, I think Philip K. Dick should have sued for Mate for the Matrix. Yeah, this did feel a little Matrixy. Yeah, because like you had the red or the blue pill. Yeah. Um. He, in here, you had the the story that was written by the uh, the the person who was down with the cause and the one who wasn't, and well, he had let, to choose. Let's say this: the the ground on which Philip K. Dick could stand on to sue the Matrix mm. is the same ground that Harlan Ellison could have used to sue the Terminator. Right. Because, hey, he settled that. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. No, they, they settled. That's true. But at the same time, it's just... Flimsy. I mean, these ideas... Nah, know, nah, the, the... William Gibson can sue for the Matrix. Yeah. More so... Well, I think right. the, I mean, or, but what, what, what I'm saying is that the, like, the f- like, like this suing, if we were to compare the Terminator to those two yeah. Outer Limits episodes, they have just about as much yeah. relationship to this to William Gibson to the Matrix. Is that well, there's a straight up like scene in the Matrix that's the exact same scene with the photo, the the phone booth, yeah, with the ringing phone mm-hmm. booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. in the right. Matrix and in yeah, sorry, uh, uh, whatever the yeah. fuck that. Neuromancer. Yeah. Anyways. So uh, this, I like this one other than the Lovecraftian or if you want to say Dickensian. Like that that sort of well, thing. Well, it wouldn't be Dickensian. Uh, not Dickensian. That, P.K. Dickensian. P.K. Dickensian. P.K. Dickensian. Yeah. Villensian. That was the part where he kind of started losing me. Because for me, I know you maybe feel differently. Andrew maybe feel differently. It just feels like lazy writing. When you can't think of what your character looks like, or you can't think of something to make it like intimidating or the, this great villain, and you're just like, we already had this discussion. Yeah, yeah. It was on Sword and Sorcery. He didn't like, like uh, the black, the yeah, the, the black guard's kiss. kiss. Yeah, yeah. no, we we <laughs> no, we, but, we disagree. Oh wait, uh, Hillary, I think he just interrupted me again. <laughs> uh, well, I was uh, so- more like I corrected you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, sweetie. So is that white splaining or mansplaining? That's God's that, that's a that's little mansplaining right there. Rose splaining, bro. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, what did you think of this? Like, um, well, definitely- I I actually I actually really like the story. I like the way it unfolded. Um, there's an ambiguity to it that I like. You know, I, I don't like. I guess that would be bizarre or whatever. When the certain questions are unanswered, that's fine because I was dropped into like an experience. In this world, yeah, uh, is it the best story in this collection? No, mm-hmm. but it's a damn good story. It's yeah. you know, it's good. It's very Phil K. Dick. <laughs> um, right. It's like a baby version, made a little bit of a Valis, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, but it's, I mean, again, it's just he's he's weirdly religious, so I'm always going to judge him for that. Yeah. So. Well, in the foreword or afterward, whichever one Harlan Nelson wrote, he was like, I wouldn't normally con- include something so religious, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he says, I don't... I, oh, right, right, I don't advocate any of the ideas in Faith of Our Fathers. I don't, for example, claim that the Iron Curtain countries will win the Cold War or morally ought to. All right, Harlan. <laughs> All right. I mean, when this came out, to be fair, the Cold War... I mean, it's yeah. Cold War is a little bit of a joke to us now. But, uh, well, it's about to start again. No, there's no Cold War. <laughs> Russia won, obviously. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Russia won. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, so I definitely, I like this story a lot. All right, uh, now let's go, let's go to Robert Block's story, A Toy for Juliet. 
This was interesting. I like the story. I, this, this one, this to me was two, the most horror. I, I included for you because this is a horror story yeah. because Robert Block is a horror writer. Well, so. This is a really good story. If you want to hear some shit, I have not read Robert Block. Anything but Robert Block. You're, just, a, you're a fucking. I know. I mean, I know I'm a fucking. <laughs> I, and I've been meaning to, but I just never got around to it. But, and, and this story, I, I'll talk about whether I liked it or not. But I like the fact that him and uh, Harlan Ellison kind of tag teamed it, right? Yeah. So uh, Robert Block wrote the kind of prequel to Ellison's story. Yeah. You know, and so this was, I haven't seen that in an anthology where two different writers write. Attack the same subject. Yeah, attack the same subject. I don't know if you have, but I haven't. Uh, well, I think Harlan Ellison as an editor cheated a little bit, right? Yeah. Didn't he write this as a sequel to A Toy for Juliet? Yeah. Right. No, so it's a hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, so yeah. You, you, so 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 he saw Robert Block's idea. He's like, well, you know, I got an idea too. Robert Block could have sued him if he was Harlan. Wait, Ellison. no, no, no. He. <laughs> I feel like that was a collaboration. Oh, so so they they wrote it collaboratively. Yeah. In the afterward, it's the same. I'm gonna admit, guys, I yeah. fucking hate forwards and I hate afterwards. <laughs> he says. Uh, so when um, Robert Block is saying, so when the editor of this anthology proposed that I do a story. <laughs> And suggested, what about Jack the Ripper in the future? I was capable of only one response. So yeah, so ah, it sounds okay. like they were, so they were collaborating with it. Yeah, so Zach, I, Zach, can you cut that? Can you I, cut me being an idiot? Can you cut me being a fucking dumbass? Idiot? Yeah. Hey, Miguel didn't watch two of the shows, and you <laughs> and didn't read. I didn't read the fours and after. I mean, I quit reading them after a certain point. I did not read it's it for just, the story. It's gratuitous, right? Because a, a, a toy for Juliet was like three pages long, and yeah. the forward for it was like six pages. Try again, sweetie. Yeah, yeah I, did, I did not read the forward at all. Um, That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, so, so yeah, Block, right? Come on, dude. Christ. Block wrote Psycho. Um, Block, I believe, wrote. I believe he wrote a story about. Um, Jack the Ripper coming to uh, modern day New York, uh-huh. I think. I'm not 100% I sure. I think he wrote a. Google book. it, folks. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, he wrote Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper. Okay, right? I think that's a novel. No, it was a, sh- a short story okay. for a magazine. Okay, so I guess that's a short story. Um, I believe that there was a movie. I believe I've seen a movie that's very similar to that. It's not from hell, right? No, from hell's uh, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Yeah, but Alan Moore takes ideas too. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's him. not as innocent as he fucking proclaims. Him. Fuck him. He does. He he doesn't perform actual magic. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> he's, a, he's a fucking wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. Uh, an atheist wizard? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, anyway, a, a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I really love this story. I include it because it's, it is just a science fiction horror story. Um, it's about a character bringing um, <coughs> uh, Jack the Ripper uh, into the... F- well, it's about uh, two characters that are in a, a almost a post-human society. Yeah. Like, it's so far in the future. It's really fucking far in the future. They have time travel. Um, they're bringing uh, characters from back in time, and they're just like... Isn't the she's just like torturing him she to death? Him. Yeah, she. It's just so he's her, bringing him for his daughter, his nephew, or something yeah. like that. The grandfather is bringing the quote unquote toys, which are just torture he, subjects, yeah. you know, people that she's going to kill. Toys back to her to his granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. It's there's really a, sick. There's a weird psychosexual aspect. To this no, one they too. definitely have sex. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's just like no grandpa, because <laughs> grandpa's like, I want to watch this one. 
No, Grandpa. Yeah. I want to. I want to do this alone. Ugh. It's very. I mean, it, it's unsettling, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know, leave it alone. But she met her match, dude. Jack the Ripper. So then he brings because he knows he's like, I, fuck this little girl. It's time to kill her. Like I killed my uh, son. Well, so so what happens? What you don't you don't get that information in this story. No. In this story, a toy for Juliet. You just find out that. The grandfather has the time machine. He goes into the past, does whatever he does, but he brings back toys for her, which are you know, people that she can torture and kill. And then uh, eventually, and then maybe she has sex with them. Yeah, she does have sex with some of them, right? And eventually, the, the last one that he brings back to her um, <coughs> ends up killing her. Yeah. So that's the story. It's really a pretty simple story. I mean, this doesn't give me a lot of, I don't want to run out and read Robert Block now. Like, I know he's a master, but this isn't... If... Andrew, if you were to tell if you were to tell somebody, I want you to read Robert Block, is this the story you're going to show them? I mean... I Dude, think this story was I, badass. I, I, yeah, I think it's a perfectly what fine story. What the fuck story. are you talking about? It's like really? three... Yeah. It's like three... <laughs> It's, it's a not, short it's so story. Short. It's so good. Just, just so short as well. But, no, 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 but, but no, it's also it's, super compelling. I don't know. I don't know. I, I it's love... It's twisted. Yeah. It's weird. It has that sense of where you don't know what's going on. Is it yeah. time travel? Is what, what's going on? It's that, that little bit of world building. Yeah, it's a good example of, 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 uh, of a good world building in that there's little of it. Yeah, there's yeah. little of it. Like but but there's like so many clues. Go, exactly, yeah. And, and by the time... You by the time you finally understand what the fuck is going on, Jack the Ripper's there and he fucking murders a fool. That's this is, cool as shit. This dude. is like a Ritz cracker. It's fine. I'll, it's perfectly edible. Yeah. If it's if the box is there, I'm gonna eat the whole fucking box. Dude, I don't like <laughs> Richard Matheson. But, uh, <laughs> fuck you! I love Richard Matheson, man. Hey, about? but we like him more though. <laughs> but there's not much to say about this story, right? You guys are already ready to move on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah, point taken there. Jeez. <laughs> All right, so moving on. The, the next, next story is uh, The Prowler in the City at the Edge of the World. Now, this is written by Harlan himself, and he forwards his own story. <laughs> well, this one was an uh, introduction by Robert Black. Oh. Well, he so afterwards might be, story, yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe afterwards. He's such an egomaniac. Yeah. I, I love him, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't think he'd be a good president. You know, because you know the, pre- the the history of the presidency. You know, selfless, uh, selfless, uh, non arrogant, non loud. We had a single man. selfless president. Yeah. I don't know about that. No, we, we we've never had a we've never had a president as uh, outspoken as Harlan Ellison about himself. <laughs> he did do the afterwards. Oh wait, wait. N- now we do, but n- not now. So uh, Harlan wrote a sequel to this story, which um, half of this. I kind of really didn't like because I felt like it was just like almost I, like a splatterpunk, like edgelord. Like, look at how gratuitous yeah. I can be. Look at how like, oh, uh, I don't I like look. And I thought it had this dumb message. And he was like, look at this message I have. And at first I thought it was like a dumb message just about violence. Mm-hmm. But ultra violence, ultra violence. But by the end, the fucking like last page kind of totally won yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he turns he turns the narrative on its head a little bit uh, at the end. Now, I'm, I'm struggling to... This is the first one I read. Well, he, it's... This is... He's not a horror writer, right? Typically? 
He's not he's a horror a, writer, but all of his stories it's are... It's like grim, dark yeah, as fuck. Yeah. I feel like this is a horror, um, not a horror writer doing a sloppy job of trying to write horror. Um, edge Lord well, stuff. for the first part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, I don't know. I haven't... No, no. But yeah, the, the for the, the second part, he, he brings it around. Fucking... Well, <laughs> Andrew's no, like no, biting actually, his lip. No, no, no. Actually, I'm, I'm actually kind of struggling to remember. Like, So the first... The Wait, first give half me a synopsis of, real quick. A, a lot of this the... This is the first one I read. The, yeah. the first half of this is... Um, it, it picks up right where the last right. one left off. The main character is himself... Um, uh, Jack the Ripper, and he um is taken onto the street, and uh, there's all these like these beings of the future, which are basically post humans. Yeah, okay. Uh, I love the the city and the world building in this story is just really awesome. He um, ends up like killing. He ends up killing a so, lot of. Well, lot yeah, of things. no, no, no. So, so, so yeah, yeah so, right, right. So he thinks he's he's he, committing these he, atrocities right, to so these people. Yeah, what yeah. happens okay. is they they go back. I in remember time. now. I mean, clicked. What they do is they fix his brain. Mm. I think they uh, and it's like five of them. They fix his brain for entertainment purposes. They fix his brain. They take him back in time. And he's like murdering people, and he realizes how fucked up it is to murder people. And he's still doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but well, at, then he's like, it breaks him. It breaks the character because a little bit. Because he's killing for like weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> then then they bring him back into the future, and then he kills the guy who fixed him, mm-hmm. and then he goes on a killing spree for weeks and weeks, yeah. or for an unknown amount of time, where he's just killing all these people, and you're like, then I was like, oh man, this story is just gratuitous. It's fucking. This is just him trying to be an edgelord. That's what I thought. But then the very end is just like the the post humans are like, oh yeah, no, we just did this because we were like you weren't. You, we let you. They he the post humans gave him access to the city. Um, yeah, and they yeah the the literal qu- quote is you no longer amuse us. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to be entertained by this mm-hmm. guy. They're playing tag with him. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and that as soon as that line, uh, as soon as I read that line, I was like, I fucking the, the the gratuitousness of the story. It's it's no longer in that splatter punk like we're enjoying it because it's gratuitous. Is a commentary on people who enjoy Splatterpunk. As the commentary on you, the reader, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, and, 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 and that's why I loved it, because as I was reading this, I was like, dude, this is fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, this is getting really stupid. You were stupid. no longer amused. <laughs> I, was, I was no longer amused, yeah. and then those characters were like, we're... This, this guy's fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, why are we just looking at him, like, kill all these people? And I was like... Fuck yeah, I love where you went with this because that's where my head was going while he was killing all yeah. these people. So I love how he describes technology. It's very um, whimsical and magical. It's so far in the future you can't really understand what's what's going on with how they teleport and how they give him access to killing people. And then basically it ends with him just like literally, like literally just ro- roaming the streets in the far future having no access to a single human being because there's there's so far in the future that they can do that that they can you know they they block off any access with him and another living human being and there's, it just drives them insane there's like a weird 
there's a weird feeling you get with the character Jack the Ripper, right? Yeah. There's like this weird commentary individuality, right? I'm looking at this right here. My name isn't Jack, and I've been a very bad... I'm an evil person, but my name isn't Jack, right? Yeah. Like this struggle against what he's been boxed into. Yeah. yeah. It's a really... I don't know. I, don't know. I, I love this story. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the last page of it, because I think that's where it really turns around... And it, it shows you, like, this is not a gratuitous story. It's it's as gratuitous as it needs to be to deliver its message. And its message is about gratuity being and violent, yeah. like, sh- showing violence and, and how it's not about violence. It's about the consumers of violence. Mm-hmm. But and that's what's interesting to me. Yeah. What I think also is it's, it's his own private hell mm-hmm. because <laughs> yeah. he takes power... Jack the Ripper takes power, at least in the story. Jack the Ripper takes power in killing these people and and getting the fear. He feeds off the fear of his victims, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he only goes after women. Um, he goes only go because he feels that they're inferior to him, at least you know, strength wise, right? Um, and there's a reason why he only goes after the disenfranchised or sex, sex workers. Sex workers. That's the politically correct. Sex workers. Okay, he goes after them because he feels he has power over them, right? All, all right, Miguel is talking about it. I'm a little dismissive of the term sex workers, I must yeah. say. A uh, little dismissive. Okay, right. A little dismissive. Hey, hey, hey! He's going to start using that right now, bro. <laughs> I can see it yeah, like, yeah. very clearly. You got to keep all this in. That's gold. That's yeah. gold. <laughs> so anyway, so so he's, used, he's uh, on a power trip when he kills, right? And then when he finds out that he's been killing for, you know, weeks at a time, and then all of a sudden they just turn around like, oh, we don't want to play with you anymore. Like, you're not really that powerful. That's when he's like, oh, what? Oh, man. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. So that's, it's, it's, it's a commentary on, like, uh, this, these predators, right, who are no, are no longer predators, and their power has been stripped away, and you're just a little man. Yeah. Well, I've talked to Jack the Ripper. Hey, uh, one thing uh, you just reminded me of an interview that I listened to him. Uh, I, I this is a rough quote of Harlan Ellison, but he said um, people like Son of Sam and people like uh, Char- Charles Manson uh, would not do the things that they do if you just put them on the show that I'm on right now. And he's he's talking live on some. Uh, some late night show on TV. And he says that those people, they just want their five minutes, of, five minutes of fame. So that's just to get in the mind of the author that would write this. Yeah. That's his commentary. He, that's what he thinks he's, and which I, I disagree with. I think that psychopaths like have, uh, I think he portrays, um, this character inaccurately as to what the, the actual psychosis of a psychopath is. But it's still very fascinating. And at the time, there was not a bunch of research and science done on true crime and um, the way a psychopath works. Uh, and not just a psychopath. Uh, people with a disassociative personality right. disorder and antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy and are murderers. Those people work in a little bit more specific ways that had not been refined 
when he was def- creating this character. This character has a lot of uh, religious angst or, or well, the way he interacts. It was it's much more Freudian. Well, he's also writing about a historical figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not all psychopaths or murderers. No, it's our president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no one CEOs. Th- no, that's true. But, it's uh, it's almost, uh, I think, 10% of or is it well, 1%? 1% of the population are, are, are legit psychopaths, but not 1% of the population are murderers. It's right. a way lower well, than 1% that. of the population are furries. Hey, no, whoa, no, whoa, whoa. What the wait, fuck are you saying? 1% of the population is Sonic Fox. Sonic <laughs> Fox 1 Evo. My, he's gay and he's a fury. Fury? A furry. He's a fury furry. Much fewer are furries. <laughs> I, I would say probably than murderers. Fuck, what, much what's the Venn what's the Venn diagram of psychopaths and furries? Uh, no, okay, so we're we're, we're going we're going into places we don't want to go. Five nights, five nights at Freddy's. Yeah, that's the Venn diagram. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in the middle. For further reading on psychopaths, there's a there's a great book that's uh, by John Ronson called The Psychopath Test. Mm-hmm. And there's a point in the book where he's explaining psychopathy and all this kind of stuff. And he says, don't worry. Okay? Because if you're thinking you might be a psychopath at this point in the book, you're not. Because psychopaths don't wonder if they're psychopaths. They, just they are. You know? <laughs> yeah. They know. Yeah. Right? So when I, and the funny thing is about that book was I was reading, it's like, oh, man, dude, I kind of exhibit this behavior. <laughs> well, it's and, a spectrum, right? Yeah, you're right. It's a spectrum. It's like a, a kind of exhibit, but it's like, if you're wondering, you're not. Yeah, because yeah. there is no wonder about it. Yeah. W- one thing I wanted to mention is how delusional Jack the Ripper is. Because what, once he sees his, he's in the future and they go for a walk and he sees like these wondrous like tall buildings that are all clean. And he's like, they listened. You know, they, I killed all these people and they, they understood why I was doing it to, to clean up society, right? And uh, they took uh, lessons from, you know, what I was doing, and they built a new society. How fucking delusional can you be? That that is actually pretty accurate to how psychopaths, how a murderer like that would think. The, the some of the stuff when he is back in time and he's like killing uh, a woman back back or when they go back in time doesn't really hold water. But the way that he think like, hey. Um, yeah, I hate. I wanted to clean. I wanted to clean up scum. Yeah. And now look at this antiseptic society where everything is super spotless. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was. I great. did that, yo. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He wanted. He wants to claim that. <clears throat> kind of like certain other political. I, I, you know, I, I like the story. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking that. And I'm taking uh, talking to teach. Uh, talk, well, you guys, you what, have what else talk. do we got? Well, so, so one thing uh, I would say was I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> All right, so what's the next story? That's it. That's it. And then so we got to talk about the audio. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're done. So we are done so, with dangerous visions. What would you? What do you? What are you? What are, you um, what are your recommends on uh, dangerous visions? Well, everything we've read. Is, yeah, is, is a phenomenal reading. Yeah. Um, my favorite was the, the day after the the day after the Martians game. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. But but everything was good. Um, I, I like the Robert Block story. I like. But the I also like the PKD story. But, story. but dude, when like people just build up Robert Block as a god, and to me, this was not godlike behavior. 
I mean, God, so this like, is like this is not God tier writing. This is like to me. Deuteronomy compared to Ezekiel is what you're saying. Just I didn't to bring it all, cult, bro, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but I recommend. I, I'm going to read the rest <laughs> of it. <them. laughs> what did you think, Andrew? Uh, I loved it. Uh, I, I what, what I liked about Dangerous Visions was there's a darkness uh, within every story and there's almost like this helplessness you know and and, and as a writer i like that I, I like that uh playing within those those themes um yeah what'd you think Zane? um so i've read a lot of dangerous visions um i like his style uh, as an editor what he chooses to focus on um i love stories written in the 70s and I, I think this might have been the 60s but I it was ahead I, of his time yeah yeah I, I really it feels like a lot of stuff that was written in the 70s feels like um, a lot of stuff. 67 yeah so it, it feels like a lot of 70s stuff yeah. well, and I, I love it I um, I, I, I highly recommend it well it, to Harlan Ellison's credit we've been talking you know a little shit about him being an egotistical maniac or or whatever, it says a lot about the the, the, the stories he chose he chose to put in in the anthology, specifically uh, referencing uh, the day after the day after the Martians he, came. He is a humanitarian, to be sure. Yeah. Humanitarians can be assholes. Humanitarians can be dirtbags. They can be incorrect. They can be flawed. They can be sexist. But it is clear that Harlan Ellison. Is a humanitarian. Wait, a humanist or humanitarian? What? Humanitarian is a, is a good charitable humanist. humanist. God, yeah. fuck! Yeah. Fuck! Ay! 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 Fuck! He's a humanist. Fuck! Start that over. We'll, we will definitely cut what that out. What was I saying? It's obviously he's a humanist. Ellison yeah. Is obviously a humanist. Hey guys, uh, uh, cheers. Okay, we, we actually. Oscar Blues, okay. old, old job. job. All right, guys, All right. Cheers, cheers to Harlan Ellison. Cheers to Harlan Ellison. The great humanitarian. Yeah, and... Very, very charitable person. Uh, yeah. What are we drinking right now? Old Chub! And, yeah. uh, and I'm rocking a hard Chub. Not time. quite that old, but a fat Chub for sure. I'd, I'd like to thank uh, Oscar Blues for sponsoring us, and I'd like to thank Chris Cox, critic at oneofus.net, for giving us these beers. <laughs> So thanks to listening to this podcast. So thank you, Oscar Blues, for this great old chub beer. Thank you for, for one of us.net for having us on your network. Mm, yeah. Thanks for Zach with your sexy voice. You got a pretty sexy voice. Today, because yeah. I got bronchitis. It's because you're sick. And you got me sick. And I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> and so now I'm feeling like I'm going to die. I sneezed into your uh, queso. <laughs> okay, so what? Queso. 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 Actually, it's Velveeta. <laughs> don't. Don't. Try again, honey. Wait, wait, let's just say this, though. All quesos did the Velveeta. You go to fucking Magnolia, they're making Velveeta. Yes, Actually, all queso is in Mexico, and it's just cheese. It's just cheese, yeah. You go, I want a queso y frijoles. That's racist. That's racist. Uh, what? That's not what I fucking ordered. A uh, queso burguesa, por favor. All right, that's it. All right, we're not. We're not the racist podcast. That is so right.